0: So Not I really. just thought anything that was going to make yeah. me
1: feel better was just going to, you know, mask who I really was. and I was So I wasn't going to take anything. And I wasn't going to do anything he said. So I went back, and all the same issues were there. And he finally looked at me after we finished the report, and he looked at me, and he said, Don, you need to do this. Your life is worth it. And he just looked really deep in my eyes and just said that. And it just floored me, because I'd never thought of that, that I was worth all this intervention.
0: Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible all in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5k that's 36 minutes and 38 seconds give or take a mile we often go long so get ready thank you for spending some time with me today now let's get this workout started hey everyone I hope you're having a great day Month, year—I've been thinking about time lately. Holidays, big events, birthdays. So, uh, Tim, my husband, turned 48 yesterday. He was 24 when I met him. She realized, like, that's half his life that he's <laughs> known me. Uh, time moves fast. It doesn't stop or slow down for us. And each big event shows us that we've done, gosh. We've gone through another cycle of time. So here's what I've realized. We can control only the decisions we make as time flies by. And often it takes a serious change. Sometimes it's something out of our control to make us step back and really think about what we're doing with our lives. What we're doing and what we want to be doing, where we are and where we want to go. Who we are and who we want to be. Today's guest, Dawn Miller, was living what she thought was the perfect life. Mama four, homeschooling them, happily married, doing all the right things, believing that her way was the best way, and later, admittedly judging people who didn't subscribe to her way. She was perfect until one day when a car accident rattled her brain enough to cause a serious concussion and a warning from the doctor, don't get another concussion in the next few months. 19 days later, another much worse car accident sealed the deal. Dawn's brain was rattled yet again, and this time it changed her forever. See, it's been over five years now since Dawn officially has had a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. She's been through hell and back at her lowest point. She simply felt that she had no value on this earth and it would be better off without her. Think about that. Think about hitting that point. I am so glad she turned it all around. And today, Dawn (laughs) 2.0 is thriving. We talk about Dawn 2.0 today on the show. Um, But before we get her on, uh, let me also share that I met Dawn through this amazing company that I started back in 2004 when I just really wanted to look cute and it turned into so much more (laughs) than cute. It's a true spiritual community and it's called Skirt Sports. See, Dawn understands the power and confidence that come through finding a brand that resonate with you And this is from not only a product perspective, because that is important, because the product, it's what you wear is the next layer on your body. It's touching your body. It's really, truly, it can be a part of you. But also, um, she understands that through the community perspective, because skirt sports is a safe place for women to be exactly who they are. Um, a few years ago we were doing a video to launch the gotta Go skirt. Remember that skirt with the trapdoor? <laughs> we were launching this on Kickstarter and we needed a pretty cool video. So I asked if anyone was willing to come on video publicly, hopefully, where hundreds of thousands of people would eventually see you and talk about your pee problems. <laughs> and Don signed right up. I mean, talk about confidence and you know what that means so today i actually have a new discount for you the old ones if you've listened to previous episodes those are all expired so you're going to get a new one and it's for 20 percent off so for anyone who has not yet tried skirt sports we make head-to-toe outfits for women athletes to move their bodies all year round so pause for a second but wait listen to this first then pause and write down run this world 20. okay you got that run this world 20 that's your discount code on skirtsports.com It's 20% off through Christmas Eve, 1224. Um, This is for non-sale items only, the newest, latest, and greatest. So if you aren't sure what to get, just ask me. You can ping me on social or email me at Nicole at SkirtSports.com or ask Dawn. Find her and ask her. And you can actually find Dawn through her new blog, TheMendedOne.com. All right, everyone, back to the show. It's time for you to meet Dawn Miller. Okay, so Don, how old are you? I am 46, right? We're 46? Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> like we're 46, we right? We're 46. Oh my gosh, time is just flying. So I actually want to talk to you for a whole bunch of reasons. Okay. But what really prompted me Sorry. bringing you on the show was when we started to talk and dig in a little more to what happened to you before and after you had traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. so tell me more about like oh your traumatic brain injury. It sounds like from what I know there wasn't just one thing that set this in motion. There were a couple accidents. Am I right?
1: Yeah. Well, just it started in February of 2013. Uh, on February 9th, to be exact, I was taking a group of kids to a theater class, and um, I stopped at a red light in Fort Collins, and Uh, The guy behind me didn't believe in physics and just plowed right into the back of us. And um, so the entire back of the minivan was caved in. And that was my first. uh, Wait, what happened to all the kids? How many kids were in there? We had five kids, uh, my oldest son, and then uh, four of his friends that were in his theater group. Oh, my
0: gosh. Was anyone else injured?
1: Um my son and I both got, uh, brain got concussions. Uh, we were both in the front seat and then the, um, I guess I'd be four other kids. Um, they did have minor concussions. They all, I think, ended up going to a doctor or a chiropractor, but, um, that was the first that kind of set the whole month in motion. So you come out of this and you're like, "Whoa, that was weird. My
0: head's kind of hurting." I mean, were you were, were you taken by ambulance to the hospital?
1: No. Um I felt fine. I had a really hard time um calling 911. I had to actually get my son to call 911 cuz I couldn't figure out how to do it. That oh, was the first indication weird. that something was weird. Yeah. Um but I drove home, um, called my chiropractor, went to him. Uh Eventually went to the doctor and they just wanted to prescribe a bunch of pain meds and I didn't pick them up (laughs) Uh, But the doctor said yeah, it looks like you have a minor concussion Don't get another one and that was about it. And he said rest um, Don't be active for like a week and then you should be fine
0: And so what happened?
1: Well, then uh, we obviously had to buy a new car and that car needed had a bunch of recalls on it so 19 days later after this first accident, I took our beautiful new, new-to-us new car um, to go get all the recalls done. And on the way home, I was um, just driving on a um, two-way road, a big F-250 work truck uh, crossed the center line and hit me head on. Oh. And we were both going about 30 miles an hour, 30 to 40 miles an hour. Oh my, do you remember this whole accident? Not a lot of it. Um, I remember seeing the truck swerve. And I, bl- I remember um, the smell of smoke. Because I honestly, th- that which happened, act- I didn't find out until months later. It was the um, airbag that went off. Oh. But I thought the car was on fire. And I was pinned in the car. And I was, I truly thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to burn up.
0: Oh my gosh. And so you're in another state of being, obviously. Yeah. Were you like, did you feel like you were an the outside looking in going, oh my gosh, I'm going
1: to die in this car? Yeah. I, I felt like, you know, they have those, um, they say, you know, you kind of have one of those, your life flashes before you moments. And I did. I really thought I was going to die. I thought that was it. Um, what happens in a life flash before you moment? What flashed? Just my kids' faces and my oh. husband and just, um, I was just ready. I mean, I guess you just had to make peace. You know, I'm like, I didn't, I was panicked because, you know, who wants to burn? <laughs> and I was thinking that the fire going to start coming because that's all I could smell was fire, um, which was gunpowder, I guess. But um, it was just, it was extremely, and it felt like I was there forever. Um, a, a wonderful woman ran up to the car and I gave her my, for some reason, I had my cell phone. Um, I had no idea who to call. I knew my husband was in jury duty at the time. So oh I knew I couldn't gosh. be reached him. Wow! And so I don't know. She reached out to my best friend um, who didn't believe it. Cause my I do crazy things sometimes. My best friend was like, no way, this isn't real. This is dog. And so she gave her a bunch of crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, she eventually realized it was a real situation. And then somehow, um, somehow my husband went on lunch and jury duty. And he saw that there was a ton of phone calls to his cell phone. And so he reached out um, to somebody. I really don't know. I'll be honest. And he just ended up at the hospital because they had to cut me out uh the jaws of life um we had several fire it just seemed like the whole world i was surrounded by fire trucks and ambulances and um the car was so mangled in my lap that um they had to jaws of life me out and um i remember them saying you know oh you know oh crud um we can't this darn car will not cut apart like they were just they kept saying how how hard it was to cut apart and it seemed like there were firefighters all over me holding my neck holding my hand um it just it just seemed i don't know it seemed so surreal wow like i wasn't there and then they complained about how tall I am because they couldn't get me out of the car. Well, since
0: people can't see you, let's say let's let them know how tall you are, Don. Oh, I'm almost six foot exactly,
1: <laughs> little over.
0: So all this while, the driver who had hit you, I'm assuming, was also in very bad straits. Actually,
1: no, the truck hardly—it was a big work truck. Um, wow, in, in, like in construction work truck. And I I don't remember him. I don't remember what happened to him, to be honest. Um, He happened to be a neighbor, I guess, is what I the rumor is. But but he didn't
0: like cut and run.
1: No, no. He was there. He stayed, I guess. Um, The police officers later came to the hospital and they said, you don't even have to give us a statement. He's told us everything. Um, We just want to, you know, we're going to read you his statement, if you could just confirm it. And wow. which was really gentle.
0: Well, and you were able to do that. Like, t- let's talk about your brain, okay? You had <laughs> to learn more about your brain in the past, what, five, six years than most people in their entire lives will have to really think about. Um, what was going on at this point? Did you already realize you had a
1: concussion again? Well, I knew I already had one. And I knew this was the second one. And those are the famous last words of the doctor was don't get another one. Laugh, laugh, laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Who would get into two car accidents in one month? Um, But I was, I just couldn't think like um, they kept, people kept asking me questions uh, about, you know, what happened. You know, everyone wants to hear, you know, every nurse wants to hear the story. Every doctor wants to hear the same story. Um, I could barely process it. Uh, finally, my husband got there, and um, I didn't really, I tried to explain it to him, but fortunately the police officer, who was wonderful, was there, and she um, explained it to him. And then um, the, next, the next day, we went um, to find our car, because a bracelet of mine had fallen off, a bracelet that my mom had given me, and so we wanted to go back to the car and try to find it, and I think the impact of what that car looked like, um, kind of hit both of us really hard because there was a car next to it that didn't even look that bad. And three people had just died in it. And, um, wow. it was just really, um, it was really, uh, I just remember him and I just staring at it and we took tons of pictures. I don't know where the pictures are. I need to dig them up, but, um, it just, it really struck me hard.
0: Yeah. For sure, so you were um, like released from the hospital.
1: Immediately, yeah, again, they prescribed a lot of really intense pain drugs and then put a nice big uh, collar around my neck and said, you know, don't do any exercise, Uh, sleep as much as you can, which is, that's a true, that's a great concussion um, direction is to sleep and stay into low light. But I directly went to my chiropractor (laughs) We went straight from the ER, called our chiro- my chiropractor, and went directly to him.
0: And was that a smart move or a mistake? It was. No, respect? it
1: was actually really good. He did a lot of gentle acupuncture. Uh, for physically, it was really good.
0: So for being cut out of your car with the jaws of life, you were walking, you were relatively like from the outside looking in, you looked okay.
1: I looked perfectly normal. I had um, just a little bit of a rash on my neck from the car seat or the seatbelt. Yep. But other than that, and there was glass everywhere um, on my clothes, which took forever to get out. um, That was it. I looked perfectly fine. Well, if they were skirt sports, I will replace those
0: for you. (laughs) No, they were not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that, you know, two things are starting to bubble up for me. First, um, you did have like a word, you misspoke a word just now. So this is something that's common with brain injuries. Oh, right. Yeah. You said car seat. Well, you haven't had a baby in forever. So it's a <laughs> seatbelt. So, you know, that's something now that you're probably about to start realizing, like something's weird with the way I think. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's bubbling up for me is the fact that from the outside, you don't look like you look great. No I, I would never know that you've suffered through something like this and you have a brain injury that affects you and the way that you're able to interact with the world on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and I, that's that's dangerous or scary or I don't know what it is, misleading, or it's just like a hurdle you have to get through daily.
1: Yeah, that was um I do misspeak a lot and I do say a lot of crazy words sometimes. Fortunately, um my kids were older at the time and they are awesome at um, trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. And my husband's really good at it too. Sometimes, you know, I'm saying, what do I, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? And they will like, oh, this is the word mom. I'm like, okay, that's great. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But I do misspeak a lot. And I know that has been the hardest part is because I look perfectly normal. And so after all this trauma, I thought, oh, I look perfectly normal, but I knew I wasn't normal. Um, It took me a really long time, three years, well, more, not three years, but it took me a long time to say, I'm broken. I am, my brain is broken and I need help. I always wanted to be a very strong woman. I've always been a strong woman. I was raised by a strong single woman uh, for a lot of my life. And that's been something I've been very proud of is that, you know, A lot of women, you know, make their husbands go do this or, you know, please go on the roof and, you know, put up the lights. Well, I'd be six months pregnant. I'd be on that roof. I'd be putting up the holiday lights. You know, it was just something that was a really important thing to me to have to be strong and to be seen as smart and then to admit that I can't cook. I couldn't cook, Um, which I love to. I loved to cook. I still like it, but it was overwhelming to me. Um, to try to, it took, I remember the first time I tried to put a menu together and I was, I have four kids. I was whipping these babies out. You know, I could throw in a whole menu for a month in, you know, half an hour. It'd be no big deal. And I remember the first time trying to do a grocery list. It took me four hours and I cried most of the time because it just was overwhelming to think. And then to look in my house and think, well, what can I possibly cook? Um, And it's really weird to describe because it's like, You shouldn't not be. I mean, that's just a ridiculous thing. You know, I just can't cook. I mean, I, my brain could not do it. I couldn't, I couldn't put away, um, I'd unload the dishwasher every morning. I couldn't do it. I'd get overwhelmed by the silverware, like which fork goes there.
0: Um, Wow. Then you just throw all the silverware in one drawer. No you just don't care. <laughs> you care, and then enough. you say, "Guess
1: what, kids? I, you're putting away the dish, dishes let's today." Uh,
0: let's go back to this idea of um, being a strong woman, mm-hmm. and you—you you mentioned you grew up raised by a strong single woman for yeah. much of your life. What? Tell me about that.
1: Well, um, she was married when I was ten. My parents divorced when I was really young. I think four or five. To be honest, it was so long ago I don't remember. But um, they both got married uh, to their. Uh, spouses, their current spouses, in um, 82. Um, so I wasn't, my mom wasn't single that long, but I just remember her, um, she was a farm wife and um, I you might not, anyone who knows anything about farming, I think one of the strongest women on the world are farm wives because they just, they got to hold their own.
0: <laughs> wow, that's cool. So where did you grow up?
1: Iowa. I'm an Iowa farm girl. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so.
0: Uh, is, is anyone in Iowa not a farmer? No. Nah, well.
1: <laughs> Yes, it's there are plenty, bad. I should say that. If there's lots of Iowa people <laughs> Just listening. Just kidding, you
0: guys. <laughs> All right. So um, so you got, uh, early on the seeds were planted that like holding your own and being strong was really important. Yes. And so this happens to you. And so before this, tell me about the Dawn before the <laughs> two accidents in 19 days. Like, what was she like?
1: Oh, Dawn p- 1.0. She was a mess. Uh, at the time, did you the, think she was a mess? No, at the time, I thought she was perfectly delightful. <laughs> 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 um, she was very self-assured, uh, very strong in her convictions, uh, very just a s- strong personality, I would like to say. I was kind of outspoken. Um, I was at home schooled for... 13 years at that time, which was delightful. And I don't regret a second of it, but very set in my ways. Now looking back on it, I would say I was pretty judgmental. I was pretty much, uh, I was pretty privileged, to be honest, I've had an incredible life. And I don't think I recognized my privilege, which Seems like a, a code word now, but I didn't, I didn't rec- I wasn't very gracious, I'll be honest. And I generally just hung out with people who were exactly like me. And I put up a lot of airs, like I wasn't the real person. Like I wanted to impress people, um, especially in the homeschool world and the, the world that I hung out in. Um, you know, I just wanted my kids to be better than everybody else's kids. And um, I just felt like we were, I was trying to put on a show most of the time.
0: Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You're like every day you wake up and now I've got to act. I've got a day full of acting to do. Wow, but at the time that's your life. So maybe you're not realizing that that's what you were doing?
1: No, I felt like um, that's what you did. You know, you were, um, that's how everybody was. You know, you just were working to be the best you could be in. um, And I guess that's what you always are. But this was more in an inauthentic way. And this
0: is something that you may never have seen about yourself had you not come out the other side having a life changing incident. True, true. It's
1: it's a. It's a tragic blessing, but it's a huge blessing.
0: Do you think the fact that you were surrounding yourself by, as you mentioned, like people just like you, Mm -hmm. was that perpetuating this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really was. Um, You know, you're obviously you're drawn towards people that are like yourself. And the homeschooling is not easy. And so it just got, you know, you want support. And so that's all I did that my whole life was homeschooling. And, you know, I was leading a homeschool group. Um, I just, I was doing it with wrong intentions. I think I was doing it because I wanted my kids to be better than everybody else's kids, even though I wasn't, I didn't start homeschooling because of that. But I think by that point, I just wanted my kids to be smarter, stronger, faster. No, not necessarily that, but smarter, wiser in the world. And um, I didn't, have the right intentions at the time.
0: You know, uh, I've never actually talked much about homeschooling on the podcast. So maybe let's take a little detour for a minute. And why? Why homeschool?
1: Well, it started when my four year old um, was reading on his own dinosaur books with massive words. (laughs) And no one knew um, this was after I had my second son. And um, it wasn't Um, it was easier for me to, um, stay home with two kids because at the time I was a social worker at a nursing home and that's not the big bucks. And so to put two kids into daycare, it would actually cost us money. So I was able to stay home and he was reading. So I, I think it's a, probably it's the daycare he was in. He was in a really good daycare. And, um, a doctor happened to mention to me, um, you might want to homeschool him for kindergarten because you know he's already doing all this stuff. And um, I'd never thought—I mean, we'd kind of thought about it because we knew a lot of kids that had been homeschooled, and we didn't live in the best school district at the time. And so I said, "Let's try this for a couple years." Well, a couple years ended up being—you know—sixteen <laughs> altogether. All your kids? All my kids. Um, for a while. Um, and it just got to be, it's kind of a lifestyle. It's more than, you know, you don't turn it on and off. It's just, you're with the kids and you're learning. And, um, I loved it. I loved every minute of hanging out with my kids all the time. Um, it just it got to be a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure there sometimes. Um, again, you know, Oh, you're teaching your kids that math. Well, you should do this math because it's better. And, um, I'll be honest. I wasn't, I, it took me a long time to be um, strong in what I found was worked for our family. But it was great, and I don't regret a second of it. Um, we, Our second kid, son had a learning disability, which probably wouldn't have been found till it was way later and harder to help. And to have all the time with them, I mean, we've, we have great memories <laughs> of doing crazy stuff.
0: I mean, it sounds kind of like a dream. So how old were your kids when you had your accidents?
1: Okay. So, my oldest was 18. It was his senior year. Mm-hmm. Well, he was just, it was 17. He was just going to be 18. So, that makes uh, 13, 11, and nine.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, you're in the middle of homeschooling the youngest, right? Mm-hmm. Who's still in like elementary. Yeah. And through middle and high school. This happens. So, I want to. I want to come back to homeschooling, but now I'd like to go through what happened in the next like six months to a year after the accidents when you started to realize what was really going on and how you and your life was changing.
1: Um, to be honest, I tried to play it up like nothing. I tried to, you know, I was really good at let's just fake it. This will go away. This one will go away. I'm sure it will go away. Right. Um, because, concus- you know, people don't. Um, they don't suffer from concussions the rest of their lives, right? (laughs) I think that was my, uh, my conclusion. Um, but I knew something was wrong. Um, we just really had to, fortunately I have an amazing husband and, um, I cried a lot. I had a lot of crying. I think for the first, the three years, first three years after I cried most of the time. Were you a crier beforehand? Not really. I'm not Uh much of a crier, but I cried constantly. I slept a lot. I did the best I could to homeschool. Um, You know, it was towards the end of the year, so you know, we were always done at the first week of May. So we just kind of limped along and did we could all we could. My son was grad; my oldest was graduating from high school at this time, and so um, we had a bunch of parties to plan. So I just kept going forward, um, leaning on my husband a lot more. But Uh, you were sad. I was, oh yeah, I was highly depressed. I was overwhelmed. Um, Were you like
0: feeling helpless? Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why am I feeling this way? Or did you know, had you been counseled or had any you know medical support to
1: help tell you like, this is normal, you're gonna be different? (laughs) No, actually, um, because I got such a curt answer from the last time I went to a doctor, um, I didn't go back. And the only thing they were going to give me at the ER was a bunch of, you know, tranquilizing kind of medicines. And I, I knew I had a half marathon in six months, in six weeks. And no one was going to keep me from that because I paid money. And I just knew that, um, I guess I just thought we could figure this out. You know, we're smart people. We both have college degrees. We'll figure this out. We just have to limp along for a while. Everything will come back. And that, And I was, I I just got more and more depressed after all the fun activities, um, you know, after graduation and all those fun activities went along and the next year of homeschooling was going to start. I, and obviously I couldn't cook. So we were, you know, Dan would come home and he never knew what was going to be on the table. It could be a bowl of rice. It could be cereal. I don't think I had cereal, but I know I remember thinking about it. (laughs) It could be, I ordered pizza. It just, I couldn't get around it the, the daily grind of being, you know, a stay at home mom was overwhelming to me. Um, okay. So you mentioned,
0: um, leaning more on your husband, like did your relationship go through times of strain?
1: Yeah, <laughs> a lot of strain. Um, and I don't know so much for him. We don't talk a lot about it. Um, every so often we do, but it's mostly me talking cause he's not a big talker. Um, but there was it took three years. I really dreamed of um, and I've told you this, of um, ending my life for three years, very intensely wanting to die, wishing I would have died in that car accident, mad at God because I didn't die. And I think it was more because I felt like I was broken, which is a huge word in my life. I was broken, and I was unfixable because you can't fix your brain. and This wasn't what Dan had signed up for. He didn't sign up to have this wife who needed, you know, who couldn't find words, who um, for a long time I was attached to him. I wouldn't go anywhere without him because I felt like if I said the wrong word, I could look at him and he would say the right word. Um, I felt really uncomfortable and I'm an extrovert and he's an introvert and I love being with people, but I was scared to be with anyone because I thought, well, they're going to think I'm stupid. And I can't deal with people thinking that I'm not smart because I'm a housewife. And so you get the little tilt of the head when people, when people ask you what you do for a living, you know, Oh, you're a stay at home mom. And they always kind of, and a homeschooler to boot, they always kind of tilt their head to the side. (laughs) (laughs) So they're judging you. Yeah. And so the last thing I needed was to also have people think that I was not smart and I was incapable Incapable, uncapable, whatever. Anyone would screw that (laughs) one And so I was really afraid to leave my... To be with people other than a few choice people. And I just... I knew the kids would be better because I have... Within a couple years, we tried to not homeschool. Like I put one in school. We had graduated one and I put one in school and I tried to homeschool the other two and that didn't work for a year. So then we put eventually within three years we'd had all the kids put in school and that was our goal was to always homeschool at least through middle school
0: so then you felt like a failure i felt
1: like a complete failure to my children
0: and uh, then you're what are you doing during the day you don't have that distraction either
1: yeah right so so were you wallowing um i was for a little bit um, the time we finally had put, decided to put them in school um i was i finally was able three years Three years into it, I was able to be really honest. I find a doctor I like and be really honest. It was the first time I was able to say, I've really just dream about suicide all the time. And it wasn't because I want to die. It's because everybody else would be so much better without me. I'm a burden to everybody because I'm ridiculous. I can't even say the right words. I'm in my forties and, and I was scared that I was going to, you know, develop early onset dementia or something
0: so how did it feel the first time you said that out loud to your doctor
1: it was scary it was super super scary because (laughs) the risk of saying it out loud is what because she was going to write something in my chart and then it's there and then it's true and Uh. i didn't want it to be true i didn't i didn't want to be um labeled with Mm -hmm. You know, brain injury, permanent brain injury, um, word searching problems, you know, can't organize. I mean, those were things that.
0: Not to mention depression and suicidal thoughts.
1: Yes. And who wants to have that down on their chart that they're suicidal? No, I know. But
0: for people listening who have struggled or may struggle or are in the middle of something, what's your advice to them if they're in the heart of it? Admit it.
1: Do it. Say it out loud. Do it. Say it out loud. Who say do you it out- say it to? Find somebody. A do- Anyone you can trust. Anyone that you can trust. I couldn't tell anybody. Even my best friends. My, I have two friends that are just dearest to me in all the world and they've walked me through this. They didn't know me. It's funny because my friends before the accident aren't really my friends after the accident. Um, and it's, I'm just a, such a different person. Wow. Um, and so did you ever tell your husband? I did in little ways. Like, I, you know. You thought you were telling him, but he. I thought I wasn't telling him. <laughs> <laughs> this happens a lot. <laughs> I'm sure other people don't have communication issues. Oh, nobody. <laughs> but I thought I was kind of telling him, but um, I was obviously trying to um, gloss it over because yeah. who wants to say that, especially to a spouse, someone who loves you? Um, it was really hard but to say it out loud finally to a doctor it was it was very freeing but it was extremely scary extremely scary wow but it helped you move forward it did um he was really gentle um he was a neuropsychologist and basically I was there so he could write a second report. So basically we could start the proceedings to get the legal issues to start taking care of. And at the end of it, and I hadn't done anything that he said I should do in the last three years, I did absolutely zero because, you know, I wasn't going to go to a doctor. They're just going to give me pain meds and I didn't want to be cloudy. And I didn't want to get, I had the, um, wrong idea that anything that would be, um, antidepressant psychotropic meds sorry that's the word that any if any psychotropic meds i took would um make me fat <laughs> which i don't know why i thought that but i for some reason in my head that's they were just going to make me lay around on the couch Got and it. i was like i'm an active person you would lose I'd, your drive yeah and i had just started running Cause like you thought three.
0: you'd just be high. Cause yeah. I think of like <laughs> yeah, I just, psychotropic. I'm like, you just laying around like on a trip.
1: Yeah. So Not I really. just thought anything that was going to make yeah. me feel better was just going to, you know, mask who I really was. And I was, so I wasn't going to take anything and I wasn't going to do anything he said. So I went back and all the same issues were there. And he finally looked at me after we finished the report and he looked at me and he said, Don, You need to do this. Your life is worth it. And he just looked really deep in my eyes and just said that. And it just floored me because I'd never thought of that, that I was worth all this intervention.
0: Wow, that's powerful.
1: And so I went home and um, showed my husband the report and said, you know, we don't have, for some reason, I thought there was only a three-year window but it there wasn't. And so um, my husband did some research, found a doctor I liked because the, I had such a bad experience with that one doctor. And um, she happened to be an amazing woman that I absolutely fell in love with, also from Iowa, <laughs> and <laughs> who I knew I could love. Go Iowa. Go Iowa. And um, I was just really honest with her. And I told her all the dirty details. And she was like, I'm going to get you the best neurologist and we are going to set up a plan. And within probably a month, they had me, um, it was, they were both runners. They were both active. And so they understood my concerns. They understood my objections. They understood that, you know, I'd rather do it naturally if I could. And so they didn't do too much medical intervention. They let me do some, um, they, you know, didn't think the acupuncture was crazy. So that was great. And, um, they set me up with cognitive therapy, which is brain therapy, which was wonderful, which was very scary to go into, um, to, it was another way I had to admit that I was broken, but she was amazing. Um, helped me not so much. It was to help me, but it was to give me tools to survive, how to organize my life now that this is what my reality is. And I think it was just admitting that this is my reality for the rest of my life.
0: So we talk about like who you were before, and then you're now, apparently you're someone else. And you refer to yourself as? Dawn 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> and when this first came up in a conversation with us, you said something like, I used to be kind of a bitch and yell a lot, but my kids really like Dawn 2.0 better cause I don't yell anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually had one of my children and I can't remember which one. Um, say I was much more chill. That was their words. You're much more chill. And um, I think that pressure of not being perfect, like I thought I had to be perfect and they had to be perfect. That pressure of them always being perfect, um, just kind of, it went away because I didn't have time for that in my brain. I had to just function halfway normally. And, um, so perfection went out the window. So thank you. Traumatic brain injury. Oh, I know there's a lot of, (laughs) unfortunately there's a ton of, I wish I didn't have to have my brain rattled around uh, to learn all (laughs) these great life lessons, but I did. And that's okay. So who are you today? What are you like today? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm a lot more loving to everybody. All my friends are of all the spectrum of the world. (laughs) It's, it's great. Um, Yeah, I am so much more compassionate of myself and of other people. A lot more joyful. I don't have time for a lot of, you know, like judgment. If people are going to judge me, they can judge me. That's fine. Um, But I'm not going to really change my life because of that. Um, A good, when I was working back in the day, a good friend of mine had uh, that I worked with had a bunch of tragedies happen in a year. And I was just asking, Jane, how do you, how are you dealing with this? And she said, you know, you just, and it was just, it, work was very stressful at a nursing home. And uh, she would always say, just focus in the big picture. The big picture. Let's not think of this small stuff. And so I really, I think I just embraced that a lot is just the big picture. You know, is this going to affect me in next month? And wow. I can get into the minutiae of life. It's just like everybody. I really can. I can, you know, freak out or I can just say, well, you know, in five years, we're not going to, you know, two months, we're not going to care about this at all.
0: So what we're doing right now is taking people through a journey and they don't have to actually get in car accidents and have <laughs> traumatic brain injuries to help them learn life lessons they can potentially gain some insight from what you can now see looking back and i'm what i'm hearing is a big part of what's sort of blowing your mind is the fact that you just don't have time anymore for xyz
1: yeah i just don't have brain power for it that's what it is (laughs) let's just be honest yeah you know i have brain power for certain things um and then i don't have brain power for other things i get I get run down pretty quickly um if i have to be really intense and um and i just don't have time for that
0: let's uh let's talk about a couple other things that shifted so we went for a run not too long ago did we run or walk we ran
1: and we, we took ran. our shirts off we had oh bought,
0: yeah we, we, were, we, were, we were
1: we did have bras on we were very bold <laughs> I don't run with just a bra on, Although where I, I'm from. No, <laughs> no,
0: but you might be soon because we have really good bras right now.
1: <laughs> have it on right
0: now. <laughs> awesome! I love the new ones. Oh darn it! I missed that video. Okay, <laughs> so by the end of this podcast, we'll be sitting here in our sports bras. Okay. But um, you know, you had, we were talking about love, yeah, and what love is, and what you thought love was. Maybe you can share a little bit of that
1: conversation. Well, this really hit me once really hard. Um, A lot of my life um, ideas, life philosophies, um, and the changes that I have don't hit me until they're like right before me. And I'm like, wow, that's a thought that I'm thinking something different than I would have before. And so I was at one of those women women run the world events that you um, have hosted at Skirt Sports that are amazing. And you had the amazing Ash Beckham. And if no one knows her, please, you need to look her up too.
0: She's been on the podcast. Oh, she's not? yeah, she
1: Woo-hoo. has, hasn't she? Anyway, well, then re-listen to her podcast. <laughs> and um, she is a woman who was oozing love. She, I just couldn't, I was overwhelmed by the amount of love that was coming off of her. And that sounds really crazy, but and if, unless you meet people like that, you just don't get it. And um, being that she was, She's a lesbian, she's a very unapologetic lesbian, which I think all people should be unapologetic about their lives, um, but she oozes love and she could be so, so many different ways with her life experience, um, which she had very bad life experiences. And um, I remember her specifically talking about ways that she was, as a Christian, or the way Christians treated her. And being you know, raised in the church, and probably very much like that many, many years ago. It struck me so hard that before the accident, I was probably that person. I was probably that judgmental person telling her that she was going to hell and she was evil. And it overwhelmed me to think of that. It it broke me. Um, to number one, that that was me. And number two, that I would ever think that way with the philosophy of christianity which is basically love and how it broke me to think that that was my definition of love at the time at back then was to basically love people but yell but in a way that they had to be like me like i didn't love you unless you were just like me and you were and i learned that now my philosophy is just to love people where they're at, because who's going to want to change who's going to want to be anybody, but who they are and more genuine than if you're being loved already. And, um, that was just so clear in my head after talking, listening to Ash Beckham and then, um, just being broken in a way to look at myself and say, wow, that is awful. And, um, So I walked up to her and I had to, you know, tell her I was that person. I'm not anymore. Um, But it just, I needed to tell her and ask for forgiveness for that. Wow. And so was it also as horrible as you
0: felt about the past you? Did it, was there anything, did you embrace who you are now or feel better about who you are now?
1: No, I, I felt a lot better about, well, and it really made me see, Hmm that um the changes that had gone on and i don't know i can't say it was the, i mean it could be the brain injury you know i it's probably just because a big facade of everything i'd carried around my whole life had to be chipped away and i had to become the real true authentic who i was and who i really thought because i didn't have time i didn't have um the brain power to be anything but yeah wow that was a very that was a great one I love that one.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Ash, we love you. Let's let's go out for coffee.
1: (laughs) I want to go. I haven't seen her since. (laughs) I know.
0: Um, She has a kid now. I know. Oh, okay. So you mentioned that there were three years of like serious depression. What got you out of that? What happened or how did you start to move out of that zone and into Dawn 2.0? Love and acceptance.
1: Well, I think it was that doctor um, who told me I was worth it. And, um, it convinced me a little bit, a tiny bit, just enough to take a baby step to find that, you know, I gave Dan said, let's find a doctor, let's deal with this. And, um, so I think it was just somebody, some random person who I happened to see just say, you're worth it. You, we can do this. Um, and you could hear it from them.
0: Maybe other people had said it or implied it, but you, that stuck.
1: Yeah, I think Dan a hundred times had said, you know, we can go to a doctor. We can find you a doctor. I'm like, no, I don't. You know, we have four kids. I have one working husband. You know, money. I didn't want to go out. And, oh, it's just going to be too expensive, even with health insurance. You know, it's just everything was going to be too expensive. And I didn't want the money to go to me when, you know, we had all these teenagers that needed braces and cars and, you know, teenagers expensive.
0: And not to mention that, you know, this would mean then that you had to start working on putting yourself back together. So I I could see some denial there too. (laughs) And
1: I had to admit that I was depressed. I had to admit that I was suicidal. Um, Mm -hmm. I had, there was just a lot of things I had to admit and I didn't want to do that.
0: Well, and you know, one of the things that's really stick, standing out to me is, you know, your doctor said you're worth it. You have value, right? hmm Well, part of the reason we waited a while to do this podcast was because you had some legal action that, yeah. you know, when you're in a situation like that, of course, you take and you couldn't talk publicly about what was going on. True. So here you have a need to really embrace the process the thought process that you have value and yes. you are worth you are worth it. But then when the legal proceedings came <laughs> came through <laughs> what did that tell you and how do you feel about
1: that? Um well it told me that my monetary value um especially as a stay-at-home mom is pretty tiny in the legal eyes. Which was really um disheartening, not that I wanted to you know move away to a desert island or anything, but um yeah, it was pretty uh overwhelming um it was a really hard situation. I'll be honest though those were some of the darkest days that I've had since um I started my medication and I um started all that because number one, the um other insurance company the Def, no, the defendants, mm-hmm. I guess they would be, um, which I'd love to talk about. No, <laughs> that insurance company. Um, they wouldn't allow my husband to be there.
0: Oh, during the legal during proceedings? During all
1: the legal proceedings, they wouldn't allow Dan in.
0: Why? Right. Is that like a legal thing that you can have uh, um, an advocate for you? or a...
1: Other than my lawyer, they wouldn't okay. let my um, husband in. And he had been your lifeline. Well, he is. He's my number one supporter. And I mean, for things like that, he's like my blankie. I mean, I just, I needed him to be there. And um, they wouldn't allow that. So I was extremely stressed out. And when I'm stressed, um, I have a hard time with words. And um, especially during the mediation, because obviously we didn't want to go to court. Who wants to go to court? Um, The mediation was particularly tough um, without... Dan there. And it just got to be a lot of, you know, well, you don't do anything at home. And what do you really do? And, and I remember, literally in the corner of our mediation room, our lawyer had stopped our lawyer who was a good friend, you know, went out to get coffee or something. And I just sat in the corner and cried and cried and cried because I'd never felt so worthless in my life. And then the mediator came in and saw this and I was texting my friends, you know, please pray for me. And, you know this is not going very good and i'm you know i'm feeling really low and and uh a, the mediator was this old older judge a retired judge who was super sweet and he said don't you ever think that your life equals any amount of money this is just a silly deal no matter what dollar cents or cents that they you finally get to you are so much more than that. Don't you ever think that. And um, he was just, he was like my, he reminded me of my grandpa and his first name was Sam, which is my grandpa's name and my oldest son's name. So I knew I loved him immediately. (laughs) I'm
0: totally crying over here. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sorry. Gone. you have become like you unflappable you never cry anymore but well, I've i have cried like really good for
1: drugs things. for that oh <laughs> so
0: okay <laughs> i mean he couldn't he, that's that's why he's doing what he does that's why he is wise and he
1: yeah and um yeah so we finally settled on you know i was hoping for you know the six of us go on a cruise money and <laughs> it ended up being the six of us go to dairy queen money <laughs> 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 and uh so it just, um, it was probably some of, next to the accident, it was some of the darkest days ever, but it felt so releasing when the papers were signed and we got our little pittance check and we able to pay off a couple bills, um, but it felt so releasing because I could talk. For five years, yeah. I, could, I couldn't really talk because if you put anything on social media, you put anything Anywhere they wanted a whole list of all the people you had talked to, and this insurance company could have interrogated them.:
0: You're in thousands <laughs> of friends on Facebook. Yeah. I was like, I mean, that sucks, I know, And so you're bottling it up. Yeah. You know? And
1: so I wasn't able, you know people were like, "I didn't even know you had a brain injury. And I'm like, "Well, I really couldn't talk about it for five years. You probably just thought I was a ditch. <laughs> I really have a reason. <laughs> <laughs> There's a medical reason that I'm kind of silly oh, sometimes. Wow. Well, I am
0: happy that you're free of that part. You <laughs> Me know? too. I mean, it's just like taking layers
1: of weight off your shoulders. It was. It took yeah. a long time to start talking about it. But then once I did, um, it was re- really freeing. I got to talk to other people who had brain injuries. And um, it, was, it was just very freeing. I just felt like I could c- embrace this community mm-hmm. of this very invisible um, condition. Yes. And that's, that's the travesty of it. Um,
0: Let's talk a little bit about your running and your fitness and how that may or may not have helped you through this. Cause you mentioned you were doing like a half marathon six weeks after the second accident. Yeah. Did you
1: do it? I did. How? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Another good side effect. Uh, I'm sure it was painful. Um, well, I have a good chiropractor, so I think physically I felt great. I'll be honest, um, but yeah, I had started running um, in 2010. Excuse me, and um, I it was a just a silly th- a way. Um, actually, I just is the funny thing is I had just gone to my 20 year class reunion, and I had realized that the only thing I had really done in my life that you know of all the plans, was to move out of Iowa. Of <laughs> all the plans I'd set before me when I was graduating from high school, it was to move out of Iowa.
0: So you have like a list of your plans?
1: Well, I did. At Where the is t-
0: it? I wish I had written one. Oh. I'd like to see that.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't that, ex- it probably as exciting as, you know, becoming a professional triathlete, but.
0: <laughs> that probably wasn't on my <laughs> <laughs> probably wasn't.
1: <laughs> um, but, uh, and so I was like, you know, you just get into that, 38, you're just kind of like, What is my life going? What am I doing with my life? And I thought I needed to do the craziest thing I could think of. And the craziest thing I could think of was to run a 5K. That seemed like the stupidest thing in the world. So I signed up for a 5K. Nobody thought I was going to do it.
0: And this is Dawn 1.0. This is Dawn 1.0. Three years before the accident. I was
1: walking every morning or three times a week just so I could stay in shape. So I looked good for my 20 year class reunion because, you know, vanity. You wanted to look good if you hadn't right. seen people in twenty years, right? And so I'd been walking, and so I signed up for this uh, in that was in J- July. So in August, I ran this five uh, k, and um, it was hard. It was very, very difficult, but it was magnificent. It was the most wonderful thing I had ever done. I crossed that finish line. I felt like the world was my oyster. Like if I could do this, anything could be done. And I couldn't walk for three days after. (laughs) It was ridiculous how painful it was. And so, but I I got bit by the bug and I wanted to train. I wanted to start training. And so my husband and I, my husband got the bug too, just by watching me, I guess. And so he, um, he and I started doing the couch to 5K. And so we ran a couple other 5Ks during that time. We actually ran them, not ran walk. And then uh, and then we decided to do a boulder boulder, because if you're from Colorado, you got to do a boulder boulder. And so we trained that whole winter and we did the boulder boulder. And I'm like, well, six miles wasn't that hard. And uh, a good friend of mine, and so we kind of played with the idea of a half marathon and I went back to Iowa. Um, just for a visit. And a good friend of mine from Iowa um, had just recently, her daughter had um, died in a tragic car accident. And it just struck me as why am I waiting? That and um, why am I waiting? Life is so short. And so uh, we signed up for a half marathon. And he trained with me. This is still when he my husband was training with me. And so we ran a half marathon together. And it was magnificent and hard and so uh i think he stopped running at that time he was done (laughs) but i had the bug and so uh then the car accident happened i had already signed up for the colorado half marathon which is a big deal here and (laughs) and so uh but the car accident happened and this was six weeks out from the colorado and because you spend good money i'm you put money down, you're going to race. Right, skin in the game. Yeah, at least I am. If there's money on the line, I'm going to run. So I ran it. You ran it. I didn't run it really fast, but
0: I ran it. You yeah. ran it as Don in transition to yeah. Don
1: 2.0. But to be honest, I think that's this, the best thing for me. And that was also the thing that my my lawyer brought up a lot was that I was in shape during this car accident. Had I not been in shape... Number one, I probably would have got a lot more more money because I wasn't motivated to get into shape. I was already in shape. So I recovered a lot quicker. I was able to look healthier a lot quicker. But um, so that was probably a down point. Mm. But yeah, isn't that
0: great? It works against you. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: If you're in shape. But I think it also running seemed to be the only thing I could do that was normal, like I didn't have to think about running. I just was gonna run. Other than falling and hitting my head, which I didn't do, but that was like scary. That was a scary situation right. was that because right. my balance was very off, which is right. another thing from the brain injuries that your balance is way off. So I had to be really careful. But other than that, um, running was the way that my brain would work. It still um, helps me focus. I have a really hard time focusing now and so when i really need to focus i go for a run it helps me um it just helps my brain it's just all sorts of good juices up there and so that was the thing that saved me when i was in those deep depressive moments was running i would come home i would have all the good juices flowing i could you know see the sunshine again i could be fun again i could you know put on a smile yeah
0: so there, are, there is the joy and beauty of moving our bodies, and it definitely connects to our minds.
1: Oh, I, I can't even explain. I, I don't even know. I just want people to start moving, just even walking, just move. It's so good for you. I, you know, if I go through two days without at least walking, it just, it kills me. Well, and here you are today
0: ultra runner tomorrow so be like a week or so after this or before this podcast posts (laughs) tomorrow you run a marathon yeah you've done ultras you've done rag bright you've had you you have um improved and enhanced your athletic life you know after brain injury that's pretty awesome Pretty awesome. And you're on the board of Running Start. My gosh, you're paying it back. Well, we have more than run our (laughs) Run This World episode today. So I'm going to just roll us right into our final question that I ask every guest who comes on the show. And that is that if you could give our listeners one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be?
1: I have a lot, but be who you really truly are don't shy away from it um yeah embrace who you really are and you are worth it you are worth loving yourself you are worth taking care of yourself because you're going to be a better person to everybody else that you're trying to take care of all those whoever you take care of kiddos husbands spouses partners dogs cats they all need you to be you and so you really you need to take care of yourself.
0: Well, we are all grateful to have a little bit of Don Miller in our lives. So thanks for coming on today. You're amazing. You. And good luck go get them tomorrow. Okay. We'll post your results. Get some race photos. Uh, photos, <laughs> not time. <laughs> okay. We won't worry about that. <laughs> all right, everyone. I am back. What a killer episode. Don is the best. Seriously, I know you know that. Just be who you really, truly are. Don't shy away from that. Embrace who you truly are. You are worth it. You will be a better person when you take care of yourself. Straight from Dawn's mouth. Perfect last words. Dawn, I so appreciate you. This world is a better place because you're in it. Thank you for your vulnerability to talk about Dawn 1.0 with such honesty. I know so many people are relating to your story in so many ways. Keep telling it. And let's also report on Dawn's Blue Sky tra- Trail Blue Sky Trail marathon experience. The results are in, and yes, she finished. And as she said on social, you'll have to look her up on Instagram, up before dawn Thirteen, I don't know, up before dawn something. Um, as she says, the trail was a killer. I fell and got a cut on my knee. Running with friends is so amazing. Well, guess what? We all fall sometimes and we get back up and Dawn, you have gotten back up in a big way. So let's end this one on a high note. Um, And if you or someone you know is suffering from a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, please reach out. There are so many support networks for you to connect with. The toughest part is that this injury is invisible, but causes so much pain and suffering in so many ways, not only with the person who struck with it, but for those around that person. You can reach Dawn through her blog, TheMendedOne.com, or you can reach out to me, Nicole at Skirtsports.com, or through my social media. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.